This podcast is brought to you by Voice and Vision, bringing help, hope, and healing to individuals, families, and communities affected by mental illness, addictions, and disabilities in southeastern Pennsylvania. Financial support for this podcast is provided by a Veterans Trust Fund grant from the Pennsylvania Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. Welcome to Untold Valor, a podcast with a unique focus on veterans, featuring stories of courage, recovery, perseverance, and strength. Listen to hear veterans share their perspectives on what it's like to battle mental health challenges, combat addictions, and overcome other adversities unique to those who have served. Welcome to another edition of Untold Valor, where we share stories from veterans and family members of veterans and talk about uh, just the struggles that can go on during life uh, in the military, after the military, trying to uh, work our way through the world and the different struggles that can come along and hopefully share a message of hope as well. Once again, we've got Reverend Ben joining us and our special guest this week. On the podcast is Nina Stetson, and she is a licensed clinical social worker uh, with over 20 years of experience in the fields of education, human services, higher education, and clinical social work, and is the spouse of the uh, Army spouse for 20-plus years. So Nina's going to help us out and talk a little bit about that side of things and just what it looks like and some of the support and the struggles that families go through uh, when uh, when the loved ones serve. So first of all, welcome in, Reverend Ben. How you doing, buddy? Good morning. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, um, Nina. Glad to have you on this morning. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, taking the time to share some of your story with us. We always open up with just tell us a little bit about you. And obviously, it's a little bit different this week because uh, while you're not a veteran yourself, uh, family members serve right alongside. So uh, in many ways, family members are, are just as entrenched in the process as uh, as the veterans themselves. For sure. Yeah. As a family member, you're holding a lot uh, for the whole community. And that support that you give the spouse is invaluable in many ways. And when the family's not okay, we say (laughs) that's the the whole gist, right? You want to make sure that the family's okay. So that way it impacts readiness. And that way the soldiers, the veterans, that they're ready for what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about you and, uh, and your spouse. Sounds good. So I met Eric, uh, my husband, In 1998, I went overseas to work for the Department of the Army for the Children and Youth Programs. I love it when people are like, oh, you knew exactly what you were getting into. You do not. (laughs) You you never know what you're actually stepping into. You just step into it. So met Eric then, and we were married in 2000 and had had quite a journey. We mostly were overseas. Uh, We dabbled in some time at Fort Knox, Kentucky and in Kansas. And also we were back to Germany, Schweinfurt, Grafenbeer area, Fort Knox, and finished his career out at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, where he was the ROCC commander. So dabbled in and out of a lot of different places and spaces yeah, with for the military. Sure. Yeah, I see four mm-hmm. deployments and 10 military moves. So that, uh, that takes a toll. It does. It does. Um, military spouses, though, help so much through that that... He's in the Army, and there's something unique about Army overseas communities, I think, because you're very, it's a tight community, it's a tight-knit community, and through Army Community Service and AFTB, the Army Family Team Building, so many supports and so much continuity of care, I guess is the best way of putting it, where people really wrap around one another. Mm. So I know some people don't have the best experience as a military spouse, and while there's definitely struggles and challenges, there are also a lot of supports available. 
Yeah, was, that was my experience. Yeah, you know, I think that's you know a little bit where we'll focus today uh, as we're chatting is is the support that everybody needs, not just the veterans. And and clearly, you know, many veterans come back and they're suffering with PTSD and and have a lot of different addiction issues or whatever to try to cope with that. But at the same time, we often focus on that and maybe not the spouse or the children as well, who you know they go through their own sets of of micro traumas, if nothing else, while mom or dad are deployed and not around. And depending on the stage of development, it impacts them differently. So Catherine was about 10 months old during Eric's first deployment when we were stationed in Kaiserslautern area. So he went to Qatar for 10 months during that time. She's little. I mean, so she didn't really know. She didn't have that much knowledge about what was going on, obviously still impacted, but I think less so than when he left when she was in third grade. Right. Um, that one was a lot harder because she understood she experienced a lot more just sadness, depression, rumination during that deployment than she ever did, obviously, as a 10-month-old or as a four-year-old when he was deployed for 15 months. Right. So depending on where the child is in their developmental stages and how supported the family is makes a huge difference. Yeah, no, that's a great point indeed. And, and there's there's so much you know wrapped up in the whole process that it's good to get the help. And, and did you find yourself kind of leaning into uh, support groups uh, during those times, or or even uh, I see that you're you're involved with a ton of support groups as it is. Uh, but did you find that you needed more help when she was younger versus as she aged? Or so when she was younger, I had a person come over and stay with me for a big part of that. So I had a person who I had met in. Um, Kentucky when we were there. And she was there when Catherine was born. It was a young girl. She was only 14 at the time. And she came over and I was finishing my master's degree. She helped out. And her name is Kelly. And Kelly was amazing. And she then flew out and stayed with us in Germany. So Catherine was a little bit older at that point, but to travel with us and to stay with us for the summer. So definitely bringing in family, friends, people who can just value add, you know, and really help you to navigate those times. So I had the ability to do that and to bring somebody over to, to support. That was critical. That was really important. And then when Eric was in his 15 month deployment, when Catherine was three, I moved back to Phoenix just to be near family. And I did get some pushback for that because a lot of times they want you to stay nearby and the military will push for you to stay nearby because they want to be able to support you. And I completely get that. Mm-hmm. You know, Eric had been, has also been a rear D commander. And so I understand that wanting to have a close hold and close contact with the family members, it's not always optimal. Sometimes the family members need to go back to where their support networks are most um, robust. Nina, I can truly relate to what you're saying because um, a little, do some people know that the, the, the wife of the veteran is the heartbeat of the veteran. Um, the veteran that is deployed, he needs to have somebody back there he can rely on. And at the same mm-hmm. time, that person needs to be around people that need assistance because it's it's, it's hard um, when you have a family that is separated and often for long periods of time. Yeah. And I know some family members did choose to stay in Germany during that long one and others had to go. <laughs> and so, right. and I was glad that I had the flexibility and that Eric was always really supportive of me no matter what those choices were, even when he would get some pushback from, from the chain of command. 
Yeah, so. that's interesting. Yeah. You know, so as a challenge, I think for, again, no matter really what situation, whether you're serving or you're staying at home, uh, it, there's still just that kind of level of anxiety that comes from it, right? So, I mean, obviously they're doing their job and there's the anxiety there, but they're also worried about their family at home. And then and then you have the spouse and the children at home that have the anxiety of, of worrying that dad's going to be okay or mom's going to be okay, right? Whoever's serving kind of thing. So there's just a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. that can build up in that, if, especially if you're not getting any kind of um, release for that or any kind of support. And the more times it happens doesn't make it better. You know, it doesn't we make it easier, that, huh? <laughs> no, people are like, "Oh, you've done this. You've been without him. You've re- you were able to navigate it." Yeah, on the ninth, tenth, ninth, you're, and tenth time, you should have been fine, right? It should have been a cakewalk mm. by the time you got to number ten. Yeah, and no matter the level of preparedness, and I love how much preparedness there is, right? You have all the pre-deployment briefings, and you fill out the paperwork, and but you have to really dig deep. You know, there's questions on there. If something happens. You know, who do you want to be there when you get notified mm. that your spouse isn't okay? Right. Who, you know, do you have pets? Who's going to take care of them? How old are your children? Are they in school? Who do you want us to call to come over? Like, you really have to create this plan and to go through that, even just in the pre planning stages. While, yes, planning is an antidote to anxiety, it also stirs up all kinds of anxiety because you're really imagining all of the what if scenarios. Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah, absolutely. I see on your information here, Nina, that you've you've definitely been in a lot of groups here: family readiness group, um, army family team building, uh, spouses club board member, American Red Cross volunteer, uh, and you're and you're now a director of counseling. So obviously, you've also had that inclination to, I, I guess, uh, mental health and coaching and things along the way as well. It sounds like I think a lot of us who are in the field of mental health have had our mental health journeys. And we want to share that, right? You want to share what worked, what your journey was, how you navigated with other people to make it in whatever way easier for them on their journey. Mm. And so there definitely is that parallel for sure. Yeah. Ben, I think you can probably relate to that as well because uh, your oh, own sure. journey has taken you to that uh, counseling aspect. Yes. Um, my journey through uh, mental health and my struggles with addiction prior to come after coming out of the military um, I find myself now uh, working my master's degree in psychology, mm. um, not just for the degree, but because I feel that I'm compelled to help someone else who is going through what I have gone through. You know, I just believe that, like I said soon earlier, is that um, when we're helping others, it kind of lightens our load. I agree with that 100%. And yeah. Let me ask you from this standpoint, uh, Nina, so is, is your husband now retired? He is. He retired in 2015 and he were in Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. and he now works for a company called four block. And so what they do is help veterans transition out of the, out of the military into civilian careers. Gotcha. And they have a spouses program as well that I want to put a little plug in for. So because spouses, again, when it comes to employment, a lot of times we put our careers on hold, your identity kind of gets wrapped up into what your spouse is doing and that phase of development when they're coming out of the military, it impacts the family too. Like, who am I now? And so you start to wonder about, you know, oh, in some regret and I didn't do this and I could have done that and I should have done whatever. And so to really support spouses as they transition with their service member out of the military into the civilian workforce and just civilian life in general, that's critical. Yeah. Actually, Nina, you stole my you stole want, my question. I was going to ask you about that, but you answered it so wonderfully before I even asked it. So fantastic. Go ahead, Reverend Ben. Yeah, Nina, um, your husband's job, his employer, what was the name of that organization again? 
It's called Four Block. F-O-U-R-B-L-O-C-K. Mike Abrams nationwide? founded it. Yeah, it is nationwide. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think there's a, re- a good resource. A lot of veterans that are listening need to know about that program that is there for you to help transition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you find a, a different set of struggles then, Nina? A different set of challenges after spending so many, you know, 20 years um well, I guess maybe not. Oh, quite a while. Yeah, 17 years, I think you said. Uh, anyway, during the service, did you find a different set of challenges once transitioning out into retirement, uh, whether they're challenges that Eric faced or that you faced? I had a fantasy that <laughs> once we moved and you know, so I got my degree in counseling, my master's in social work and uh, when we were in Illinois. So when we were at University of Illinois, so graduated in 2015, right before the move. And I really did have this belief that I was going to get to Pennsylvania, land a job, and I wouldn't be forced to move anymore. And here I would be in kind of like the happily ever after princess meets the prince fantasy of employment. (laughs) No, No, not at all. So I got here, struggled more than I have ever struggled to find a good fit. Um, so then I, I started working. And then as I was building up to get my LCSW and continue to transition jobs. But what I'm noticing about myself is that kind of desire to escape when things aren't going well. You know how we have fight, flight, freeze, appease, kind of our, our ways of navigating and coping with highly stressful situations right. or things that aren't are going well for us, um, our fear response. So I'm just noticing more and more that my that my need to escape, my desire to escape was actually served well in the military, right? When we were moving a lot and you could be like, oop, sorry, we're moving, mm. you know, to be able to like- Oh, it kind of gave you an L. It kind of gave you an escape. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was such a good excuse to leave a job, to leave a community, to leave something that wasn't going well. I'd be like, bye, we're moving now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I, it was the first time I had to own it. I had to be responsible for my decision to say, this isn't a good fit. This isn't working. I need to make a different choice. And that was way harder to navigate than when it was an external factor, something outside of me that was saying, oops, time for your family to go. When I had to finally face and own that decision, that was hard. That was yeah, hard. that's that's fantastic, actually, because that's a that's personal growth. Right. And sometimes it's hard to, to push ourselves through those barriers. Mm-hmm. I still fight that need or that urge to pop out. And so, and I think that existed before I ever was married to the military, you know, that, that being my kind of basic modality of, of managing something that was really stressful, you know, the escape, the freeze and escape are my tendencies. Mm. And so to have to navigate that without that structure, it was just different. So, I'm, you know, we're all working through our stuff. So that's yep, definitely yep. something I'm still working through. That's for sure. Well, you know, one of the big things we do here on the podcast is, is try to finish things off with messages of hope or or just sharing something, you know, resources has been highlighted, uh, you know, re, re going back into the company that your husband works for. So as mm-hmm. a spouse, anything you'd like to share to other spouses who might be listening to the podcast who are experiencing some struggles with either still actively serving or after you know, their spouse is, uh, is no longer in the service and may be struggling with anything minor up to major, just any kind of thing that you've seen that you'd like to share and messages of uh, positivity. Absolutely. Well, one, just to clarify, like my story is just that. It's my story, right? Every spouse, every situation, they're going to be going through it and navigating it in their own ways. So if there was anything similar in my story uh, that somebody would re- 
say too, that's great, but also it's not the story. One other thing that I do as a volunteer is I work for the Stephen A. Cohen Clinic, uh, the one out of UPenn. And I just want to encourage people, no matter what your experience was when you served or your spouse served, there's resources available to you in the military community, even if you don't identify with it as such, is still available to you as a resource. So that is a, a no cost to the family members, and they loosely define what a family member is. So you don't have to meet a whole lot of eligibility criteria mm. to get support at the Cohen Clinic. Uh, that is nationwide as well. It's not in every city, but there are resources available. And that's the Stephen then, A. Cohen Clinic, you said? Mm-hmm. The Stephen A. Cohen Military Family Clinic. Okay. So they have services for children, for a service member, and any discharge status. And so that's just important for people to know that that's out there for any kind of mental health concerns. And then just as a word of kind of hope and encouragement, I just encourage everybody to keep engaging your curiosity. Just notice how you're doing, notice what's going on, and then get curious about it. So I have literally a little sticky note on my computer all the time, and it's, I notice, and then you just kind of think about what you notice, and then I wonder. To really start tapping into that curiosity when you're feeling stressed, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling whatever it is, or you're just finding yourself in an uncomfortable situation. So that's something that I find really helpful for myself and maybe helpful to others. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your information uh, and some of the resources as well. And Ben, I know uh, that's certainly something that, uh, you know, is near and dear to your heart. Absolutely. Uh, Nina, uh, just thank you so much for your uh, sharing your experience, strength and hopes with us. And I believe some veteran listening today will be encouraged by things that you have shared with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was so great meeting you both. Absolutely. We love having uh, folks on here to talk about their stories and share, and we'll have some resources for you to check out here at the end of the podcast. So don't forget to take a, stick around and take a listen to some of those. And if you need some help, reach out to some of these different resources. We'll have some of the other things listed in the show notes as well. And as always, we appreciate your time here on Untold Valor. You've been listening to Untold Valor by Voice and Vision. We hope you found the information and resources discussed today helpful. As always, thank you for listening and for your support. Remember to stay connected with us through our various social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Don't forget to visit the website, voiceandvisioninc.org. That's voiceandvisioninc.org, where you can sign up for our blog and find free resources and information on upcoming events, webinars, workshops, and get support. You can also access our free help and hope guide for individuals and families struggling with substance use and addiction. If someone you know is struggling, please reach out for help because you and your life matter. Remember, the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is available to you at any time by dialing 988. We are all ambassadors of hope and recovery. And if you want to share your story, please contact us. Compure Corps is also looking for veteran mentor volunteers and veteran participants. To find out more information about Compure Corps, please call 610-541-0790. That's 610-541-0790. You can find all the links and contact information for the resources mentioned on today's episode by checking the description and the show notes section of your app. Thank you again for tuning in and for your support. Until next time, this has been Untold Valor.